Hey there, welcome to this special Advent series of the Being Church podcast. For the next four weeks of Advent, we're going to release episodes on Fridays. Every episode is going to be hosted by myself, Elisa, and Father Matthew Kinney, our pastor. We'll be diving into the theology of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's book, The Infancy Narratives. This is part of our Parish Advent Mission Online. If you want to be a part of this digital mission and get Father Matthew's gospel reflections sent right to your inbox, go ahead and text the phrase Advent Online, all one word, to the number 84576. That's Advent Online, all one word, to 84576. You go ahead and text that and you get the Advent Mission right to your phone. Every Sunday, you'll get a message with a guided meditation for adults and children and reflection questions to guide your prayer that week. And this is a great way to hit the pause button during our busy Advent season. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Being Church Podcast. Enjoy! All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Being Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom. I'm Elisa. And I'm Father Matthew. And we're coming at you with our second week of our Advent podcast on the infancy narratives from Pope Benedict. Uh, Advent is in full swing, mm, isn't it? Father, yes. are you exhausted from all of the uh, penance services and things oh, that are going oh goodness. on? Goodness. Last, last week, especially, uh, you know, it was already going in full in, uh, uh, into it. And then I was also fighting off like a cold. In the midst of it, yeah, oh, it was miserable. Because I'm feeling better this week. Degrees and 20 degrees and 85 yeah. degrees, and it's crazy. So I'm feeling better now, but uh, it was, yeah. Uh, maybe we've gotten through the worst of it, but there's still, you know, a lot of Advent left. There is. This season is like compacted it is. and just like like you're supposed to slow down, but it's like all the things. Right. This is uh, a lot going on, and it's all coming to a close soon. But uh, but we've been reading this book, and this is this is really good, man. Pope Benedict really puts words to infancy. Well, he just story. opens up so much of what's packed into these uh, texts. You know, it's like, what, one, two chapters? Two chapters in Luke? Like yeah. Half a chapter in Matthew? And then he gives us 150 and pages of insight. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, well, he just, he's unpacking all of these, like, references that are there, uh, and then what does that mean for us? So it's, yeah, it's really cool. I think that's my favorite thing, actually, that I didn't, I didn't even know there was anything to unpack because it feels very straightforward, right? Yep. This is the, mm-hmm. this is how it happened. This is how the angel came to Mary. And then, you know, Jesus was born and here we are. And there's so much that he is able to explain, uh, just, when it comes to even the time or like where everything is happening chronologically, what, right. what, what the, what so, certain words mean, mm-hmm. um, a better translation, just, it's just packed. Yeah. And so today we're going to take a quick look at, uh, well, a quick look. We're going to look at these different annunciation stories that happen in the infancy narrative. Right. We, we, there's the annunciation, but here we actually have three annunciations. Yeah. yeah exactly. One to Zechariah. Uh, one to Mary and then to Joseph. Um, so, so father, what, uh, where do you want to begin with all this? Yeah, I think I'd like to start with Zechariah and he gets this annunciation, uh, the same as the more famous one from Mary. Uh, but this one comes first and it's to Zechariah and, uh, he is receiving this message, uh, for a child that will be born. This will be John the Baptist, right? right John the Baptist. So, um, we, we, we get this and, uh, it unpacks 
right, of all of the things that are sort of implicit uh, in this story. First of all, actually, I'd like to just kind of I, I, I I'm trying to imagine the scene, yeah, right, of what's happening there because they describe that you know he's a Zechariah, he's he's a priest in the temple, right, and this is uh, this is uh, second temple. Um, and you know, they've been doing a lot of, uh, uh, work on it and, and building it up. So try to imagine this, like, just intense, glorious, yeah. you know, like the kind of most magnificent cathedral sort of experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people are praying and chanting. Um, there's, there's incense that's going on. You know, there's this, there's this weight of all of this tradition. And here's Zechariah and he's chosen to go in and to offer the sacrifice. There, uh, and this, this would have been like a, a high honor yeah, for him. Right. You know, this was, this was what he lived his whole life doing was being a priest. Yeah. Right. So this was like, like at the top of his, would like, he have importance. done this like many times or is this just like once in a while? I, I don't know thing. if Benedict talked about that. I don't know. I, I've no, heard uh-uh. different versions. So I'm not, okay. I, I, okay. I don't know how okay. to speak definitively okay. on that. So he, uh, you know, he would have been, it's a very important thing. He's there, you know, in, in these holy places in the temple and he's, he's offering the sacrifice and it's there that he meets the angel. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can imagine sort of all of the kind of, I don't know, just the, the ambiance. Yeah. The grandeur of the whole thing. Yeah. What's it like when an angel appears? I know. (laughs) Is it like apparently Terrifying. Right, right. It's gotta be just <laughs> awful. Terrifying. Terrifying. Um, is the, uh, is the general, uh, response Consensus. to that. Consensus. So, yeah. So he's got, um, he's, he's uh, a priest from a line of priests. This is his whole family line and lineage. And he now receives this message, uh, about this child that will be born. Now, here's the thing. Of course, the, the context of this story is that he and his wife, Elizabeth, uh, they've never been able to have a child, even though they're fairly old at this point. And of course, that can immediately, if we take a moment and think about it, that immediately should start ringing some bells with us yep. of parallels, mm-hmm. right? Abraham and Sarah. Abraham mm-hmm. and Sarah, yeah. right? Um, there's some other stories about uh, women who were barren, who, who couldn't have children. And then after a visit to the temple, like they're able to have a child, so there's there's a lot of kind of uh, parallels that are that are coming up here. Yeah, we're already getting a lot of like Old Testament in this. Oh yeah, story. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he meets uh, Gabriel, mm-hmm. right? Again, powerful Old Testament thing. Because here now we're going to uh, Gabriel as a messenger of God. Uh, this is a reference back to the prophet Daniel. Daniel is the only one in the Old Testament who specifically names and says that it's the angel Gabriel who comes and brings this message. So we're seeing both the the priestly line, the temple, going all the way back to Abraham yeah. and this, you know, God's promise to Abraham and to his children, right? And, and now we have another sort of Abraham person that's that's uh, that's here. And um uh and and then finally the the prophets, right? And the and the expectations of the prophets cuz Daniel's most of his prophecy is about the Messiah is coming and the, and the, and the, you know, it's coming soon, right? right? Like there's a, there's a, there's a timeline. Daniel is the one who famously sort of like puts a timeline, yeah. like, 
It's like we're on countdown, guys. It's like Daniel seven or something like that, right? When he's is that when he's talking about the beast with the four parts or, or the four kingdoms? And yeah, like yeah. Yep, and yep. and Daniel is very clear. Well, no, he's not clear. He's uh, <laughs> he's mystically he's perfectly mystical. He's perfectly <laughs> yes. mystical in his explanations of. But he but the consensus uh, both from the Jewish and the then the later the Christian understanding was that. Uh, you know, he's initiating the countdown, saying it's happening, guys. We're 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 moving into we're moving into the end game at this point, right? Yeah. Um. So all of that is uh, uh is kind of in the background here. So not only has an angel appeared, but all of these different like if you're attentive to scripture, right. especially Old everything's Testament, aligning. All these things are converging. Right. Exactly. And don't think that Zechariah was not aware of all of these things. Right. Because he's this is his. This, this is, is his what, life. yeah, this is his life. This is what he's done forever and ever. So it's all like aligning right in front of his face. I so mean, there's a, the, uh, the other one that, uh, um, uh, uh, Pope Benedict talks about here is he's, uh, the reference to that there's an Elijah reference yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, that Elijah, uh, there's this, uh, passage from Elijah. I will send my messenger to prepare the way for me. Right. So the idea that, um, again, there's another prophet. This one is kind of the, um, that John the Baptist will be Elijah. And even Jesus says that later on in the gospel. He says, for those who have eyes to see, John is Elijah, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so all of these things are really coming together in this story of the Annunciation, uh, to Zechariah. Now, what, what's, um, kind of amazing about this, and you, you mentioned this a little bit that, yeah, uh, yeah. uh it, there's there's sort of an anticlimax here as far as well what, yeah because what we know from the story from reading the story that Zechariah is like struck with fear and is like no this can't be this can't be I don't know exactly what the scripture says I haven't read it but recently but he's like no 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 and then Andriel, Gabriel strikes him dumb mm-hmm. he can't speak mm-hmm. and so but Benedict doesn't talk about that <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> But so that, to me, that like, that's the most one of the most important parts of the story, and he doesn't mention it. <laughs> but it's fine. We know it's, it's there. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you were saying that you think that he had time to ponder it later. Well, like, yeah, pondering was not part of the maybe he was initial. Doing, you know, those priests they do a lot of talking, and maybe they need to do more praying. Not maybe you, they Father. need to. Not maybe. <laughs> oh, well, thank all thank the other. All right. So yeah, so you know, we got we have this story of John the Baptist that he's going to be coming. Um, and surrounded by all of this pomp and grandeur. And then, you know, this kind of strange conclusion off from it that Zechariah doesn't, at least it doesn't, at first doesn't understand, doesn't believe. Right. Right. Um, how could this be? Even though he knows well the stories of Abraham and Sarah, right? Even though he knows well the fact that, uh, there's these sort of, um, the prophets and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the power of God that's at work here. So, but, but he's, he's, he's overwhelmed by it and he doesn't, but he eventually gets to the point where he's able to understand and accept it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a fear in mm-hmm. Zechariah. Mm-hmm. And do you think it is because he realized the weight of it? He realized how big it was and he was I, like, we can't do, I can't do this. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, his objection seems to be, at least on the surface level, like, no, no, I'm too old. Not like, that's not going to happen. Right. 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 But, um, it's like Sarah's laughing. I mean, Benedict brings that up. Oh, uh, yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> How could God accomplish oh, God. this? Yeah. <laughs> sure. 
How, how could God accomplish this? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to think about it in terms, I, I don't know about his personal, like, like what's going on in his own mind. Yeah, I'm right. not sure. We, we don't. You know, but there is something of a, uh, I, I think a, a knowing understanding here of, you know, here Zechariah is representing God's people, right? And they're, now the Messiah is coming and there's this, wait, what? And there's right. this question and this unable to, an inability to like understand all at first. And then he has to go into this period of silence where he can't speak, uh, before he can finally understand it. I think just like at a basic level, it's, it's nice to see the different reactions and how the revelation to each is different and how it's received differently. I think for in this case, it helps just to know that not everybody takes, you know, this, proclamation and runs within and is ready for it and is like, yeah, you know, do unto me according to your word. You know, as a normal, regular practicing Catholic, it's nice to know like, oh, he needed some time to process and be like, gather himself before he went forward. Yeah. And that it doesn't ruin God's will. No. No. God's will will still be accomplished. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's a fear sometimes when we talk about discernment. It's like, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do and all will be lost. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Probably <Right>. not. <laughs> As it were, he uses a bunch of humans to accomplish things. <laughs> right. And we're pretty unreliable. Right. It's really important to keep this story of Zechariah in mind as we move into the Annunciation story that we're very familiar with. Right. Because he he very much, Pope Benedict very much sets the the contrast in the two. Oh, I love the, he, yeah. The, yeah. the way he sets up the contrast like by location and like the setting right. of what's going on. Here you have, you know, this priest from this lineage of, you know, Levi, and he's standing there at the temple during this high, you know, holy experience, and the angel of the Lord, and of course the angel of the Lord appears at this moment. It's very ironic. You know, before, very, before yes, the and, and then he's like, the, he like trash talks a little bit the city that Mary's, I mean, not trash talks, but you know, it's a huge contrast when he starts. simple town. Yeah. This, yeah. That so nobody knows, then, basically. Then the setting, right, is... You know, it's, is, is it, you know, in the temple? No, it's in a home. Mm-hmm. Is it in Jerusalem on the Holy Mountain? No, it's in this little place, Nowheresville out in Galilee, right? right? Is it this high priest with, you know, who's an older man with all this kind of maturity and stuff like that? No, it's a, it's, it's a young unmarried woman, right? Yeah. This, this the lowly, he contrast. says. Um, and I, I think that's, I mean, I, it seems quite clear that Luke is pointing this out, but you know, it also points to just God's plans, right? You know, on the one hand, you have these like, you know, huge high things that happen, um, you know, but then where's, um, even the more important thing, right? Right. Right. Is happening in this place that would have otherwise been forgotten into a person that would have otherwise been forgotten. Like that's where the important thing is happening. He says, the sign of the new covenant is humility, hiddenness, the side, the sign of the mustard seed. Like yeah. he really mm-hmm. talks about how small and almost seemingly insignificant w- the location and just where and this story Mary takes place. Is. Right, right. It's just so small. Isn't it? Okay. This may be tangent, but I just had this realization. So a couple of weeks ago, we had this King's Tavern on Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? Mm-hmm. We're celebrating Our Lady mm-hmm. Guadalupe this mm-hmm. week. And the the takeaway I had from that King's Tavern and that presentation was how God prefers the lowly. Yes. Mary appears to Juan Diego, this lowly man. Yeah. Well, 
God appeared to Mary, right? So why wouldn't she prefer the lowly, right? Like mm-hmm. she is mm-hmm. the simple. She is the humble. Oh, nice. She is like the mustard seed. Right. So why wouldn't she appear to other mustard seeds? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That was yeah. Just no, like, yeah. It's just like very interesting to think like God did this first and then she can. And it's interesting. Anyway. So from the very beginning, he flips everything yeah, down. right. There's this big reversal uh, that's 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 going on here. What you would have thought to be see, like it would have made way more sense to everybody at that time for the Messiah to be born of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Absolutely, like that would have made way right. more sense. And if you were trying to write a story about like the origin story of this Messiah, if you were like just trying to come up with something, yeah, this is the guy that you'd pick, right? Yeah. Zechariah. This is and, not the and Hollywood the version. And he would be the one who would, you know, immediately, you know, stride forth and and, and accept the angel's message. Right. It's the Shyamalan twist. Right. That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on here. Big twist. Big, big twist. Big twist. Um, Okay, so we got now this 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 new uh, enunciation that's mm-hmm. happening, right? The angel Gabriel comes from God to a town in Galilee to Nazareth uh, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph, and the man, woman's name is Mary. You know, there's this almost like Google's map, like zooming down, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. down to this, yeah, yeah. this, this thing, right? You know, to this like yeah. you know, no, like where's that? Like, so you're looking it up now, and and here the angel appears, and he has this greeting to Mary, uh, hail Mary. Hail Mary. You know, we, uh, uh, he, he tries to go in actually, uh, uh, speaks a little bit about this word because we don't really use this word hail. Right. Like, like it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird word for, it's an old right. word anyway. Um, and he even points out that it's, it's a greeting, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like a hello, but mm-hmm. a formal hello that would have been used in Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also has this sort of connotation of like rejoice. Yeah. Yes. I loved that part. That was my favorite. Rejoice. Part. Yes. Rejoice. So not only, is it like, hello, Mary, hail Mary, but it's also like, rejoice, Mary, hail Mary. Mm-hmm. That there's this sense of like, you're greeting someone in joy mm-hmm. uh, that, that's happening there. Even though it's going to be like the scariest thing she's ever heard in her whole life, ever. It's good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that has to tell us. <laughs> like sometimes scary news <laughs> ends up being your joyful news. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, I, before we go too much further into sure. this, into the kind of the message of the angel, just, you know, uh, uh, my own, like, reflection on this. You, you can ask the question, like, well, what was Mary doing when this message came to her? And, you know, the, the Gospels don't tell us precisely what's happening there. And yet, I think we can, with some assurance look through the other parts of the scriptures and say, well, when other people encounter angels and receive these messages from the angels, right? What were they doing? What was the context of that? And um, I mean, I would say, you know, again and again, you know, you can go through, you know, Old Testament, the prophets and Daniel and, and go into the New Testament, talk about revelations, all of these visions of angels and messages of angels that come, come in the context of of deep prayer, mm-hmm. right? I, I I really doubt that Mary was just like doing the dishes, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Or something that she was just sort of out taking a walk or something. This would have been uh, a very deep moment of prayer for her in someone who is obviously a, a person of prayer, 
you know, we hear later on Mary's uh, Magnificat, mm-hmm. and she's just quoting line after line after line of scripture. So she's 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 constantly been immersed in this um, conversation with God that happens through the scriptures that that she's just internalized so much, and so she's in this this deep place of prayer, and and the angel comes and and she starts to receive this message. One of the things that happens with angels when they appear is that they 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 always frighten the people who who meet them. Yes. Uh I think Maybe. without fail. This is the one though, you see Mary and her response seems to be although it is a bit frightening, uh it seems to be almost the most tempered that you yes. ever see out of I, someone's response and to I was an angel. struck by the way that he analyzed her response in those like three steps mm-hmm. that she was well, yeah maybe you're going to talk about no no no. actually go ahead go yeah, with that yeah that, talk so about like, mary's response here because i think that's true mm-hmm. like she you know she's well anyway go ahead yeah well yeah i mean because you're right when an angel appears it's probably scary <laughs> whether they're big or small a heavenly creature coming to you is frightening and then the news that he gives her mm-hmm. uh so the scripture says that she was troubled whereas compared with zachariah who was fearful he was afraid she was troubled but she doesn't she doesn't stop at fear the mm-hmm. next step is that she ponders it yes right yes. And she's like what and then she thinks about it mm-hmm. and benedict says she's uh it's it's an example of faith seeking understanding mm-hmm. right to mm-hmm. to receive the revelation and to go what wait a second let me try and wrap my head around this here let me try and understand what this means so she ponders it and then she like tries to reason with the angel, but I haven't, I'm not, we're not married, right? Like I don't know Joseph yet in the biblical sense. Right. And, and the angel's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it's not, that's not the point. So she tries to reason with it, right? This is faith seeking understanding. This is part of her pondering it. Yeah. I think this is important. I, yeah. I often talk with people and, and, or I'll, I'll be having conversations and people will say to me something like this. They'll say, well, father, I know it's wrong, but I have all these questions about about my faith. And I'm like, wait, why is that wrong? Right. We've got this weird mentality that if you ask questions, then you don't believe. Yeah. But it's, I think, you know, Benedict is pointing this out here. Like, it's specifically the person who has a deep fundamental faith that God has answers mm-hmm. that can ask questions. Right, that he's big enough for those questions. Right, and I it's, think it's a fear that says we don't ask questions. Right, it's a faith that says you do ask questions. In RCA, I tell people if you leave here and you still have, and I haven't answered a question that's on your mind, I'm not doing my job. Like you need to ask the mm-hmm. questions that you have. I do think that the church though has gotten better at receiving questions. I think yeah, that sure. like older generations and like the way catechesis kind of hand, was handed down, it was like, this is what we believe and we believe it. And now I really have a sense that the, that the church is a lot more, um, willing and able to, to say we, we're ready to answer your questions. We have, yeah. we have places and sources and tradition and all the things mm-hmm. to help you search. And it's not like people who ask questions are being skeptics. They're seeking understanding. That's the difference. And that's right, what right. I tell people yeah. is that if you are honestly asking a question, right, then that's a sign of faith. Right. Now, some people, they ask questions, but they're not really asking questions. They're just throwing up smoke. They're antagonizing. Right. right. They're, all, they're, <laughs> well, all they're doing is like, well, what about this? Mm-hmm. 
and it doesn't it's not because they actually want an answer all they're trying to do is just derail the train of thought Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that mary goes through like a three-step process as opposed to just doing the one thing being troubled right and being like okay i'm out yeah uh, like a like a lot of people do now and i wonder Um, how long like she sat there pondering because it just says she pondered Mm -hmm. and then and then she asked the question. Well, and, I mean, and you then know, she says yes. My own experience of of people in you know going through these kind of times of deep prayer, and they receive and they have a conversation with God in these places of deep prayer. Yeah, it could have taken a while. Like, like she could have been there, sort of like in the presence of the angel, and it was just like twenty minutes of sitting, like, there like just away. like like I'm just processing this, right? <laughs> but like in faith, don't right? go away, don't go away. Let me just think about this. You yeah. know, just kind of working with it. it's it's I I would not consider that strange as far no. as those sort of experiences which it's, it, well, it's an encouraging on. posture for me as mm. like a believer you know yeah. to just just to know that there was again and this is going back to what i said at the beginning it's so nice that benedict has pope benedict has been like let's delve into this because this is something the three steps are something that i would have glo- i have glossed over my entire oh. life totally. totally and so to to consider that the way that she ponders things and the way that she uh, receives mm-hmm. God's will for her it's, is a process. Right. It's fear, it's questions, and it's faith. Right. Right. And this is Mary, the mother of God, conceived right. without <laughs> sin. So, like, if she had a process, Elisa, it may be okay for you to have a process and for you to take your time. Yeah. Yeah. And just like Zechariah, she, too, I'm trying to find it in here, but I can't. She, I mean, Benedict says, and scripture tells us that, like, Mary knew the Torah. She knew the law. She oh, yeah. knew the word. And oh, yeah. so for her too, she must have understood all this stuff is converging. Like the Messiah. That's that's what's oh, yeah. right no, now. That would have been Which, so these these converging yeah. lines of like the Old Testament. So mm. take a look at the Magnificat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it is super clear. She understands exactly what is going on here. Right. This is the fulfillment to the promise of Abraham. This is the fulfillment of the what was is said in the prophets. This is God. Uh, this is the countdown coming down to zero. Right. Right. Like she so understands funny. all that. Which is so funny because my first question would not have been, wait a second. I haven't had relations <laughs> with the man. It would have been like, wait, what? The Messiah's coming? Like that would have been. Or, my, or I probably would have been like. It was almost like, so big. She just had to be like, swear one. What? <laughs> I would have been like. Can we work on the logistics here. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's totally a logistics question. It's so funny. Mary's so practical. Got, yeah, of course. I would have been like, wait, the, the Messiah is going to be a baby? Yeah, right. I exactly. thought the Messiah exactly. was going to be like this warrior king guy that was going to come. You know what I mean? A yeah. baby? Right, right. So uh, so a couple of the things, and I'm, I'm, I just geek out about this Me when too. it comes to this Old Me Testament, too. like the, the overtones. And it's just so packed in here. So like here we have the, the greeting, you know, Hail Mary, full of grace. Um then, you know, the Lord is with you and that this is actually a reference back into the Old Testament of, uh, there's more than once where it, it describes God as being with his people in the tabernacle with the people, right? That's this, this idea of with you in the tabernacle. And that actually the language used for that is, uh, that he's in your womb. Mm. The womb, mm. the tabernacle is like oh, the re- womb yes, yes, of, of yes. where God dwells within you know among his people it's where uh, life is it's, it's where, where life is yeah, yeah. yeah it's this really uh like yeah i mean the idea that you would call like a place a womb that's so cool it's like, very it's, cool <laughs> it's very cool like we don't think about it that way but it's like it's very cool 
Um, the other, you know, another piece that comes into this is the promise that he would be, uh, he would take up the throne of David. Um, and he would be this, this new king that would, that would come forth. Again, so much of this Old Testament that is, that is drawing together to this convergence point. So, you know, this is going to be the new king, right? And this is, this is made, uh, all the more kind of striking in just a few verses later on. Uh, here is the king, right? Mm-hmm. And Mary understands that this is the one that's going to be born as the new king. Well, just a little bit later on in Luke's gospel, we hear the words introducing when Jesus would be born. And it starts off with, the decree came out from Caesar Augustus in the time when Quirinius was governor of Syria, right? Wait, what does that have to do with anything, right? right? No, 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 no. Mary understands this is the new king in contrast to... Caesar Augustus. This is a this is a leap motif that is happening throughout, especially yeah. the Gospel of Luke. Yeah, you know, yeah, you got Herod, yeah, you got Caesar Augustus. They're sitting on thrones, mm-hmm. but this is the new and true king, even though his kingdom is not going to be like their kingdoms. You can see how it's a lot to take in all at once <laughs> right. for an angel just to appear to her. <laughs> yeah, and throw all that, um, and then he goes on. He does actually go on to say. Or at least focus on the angel leaving. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, go go on with that. Yeah. So he says he says um, that the (laughs) the great hour of Mary's encounter with God's messenger, in which her whole life is changed, comes to an end, and she remains there alone with the task that truly surpasses all human capacity. There are no angels standing around her. She must continue along the path that leads through many dark moments. And so he kind of lists them. But like he's here he's saying, you know, this all comes to the end and the and the angel gets to go. And Mary is left with like this new truth and living this faith life out without the presence of this angel and has to have this bravery and this courage and this trust to actually go about doing what he has said is going to come to fruition through her. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you can just go tell St. Anne about it, right? Yeah. Like you can't just go tell mom. Like you, it's a hard, like that's a hard truth. You can't tell Joseph. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be right. freaked out. Right. Yeah. Like there's, it's yeah. kind of well, lonely at the top. That, Actually, that seems to be the implication right. is that he does freak out, and and if not for the angel, he would have he would have been out of the picture. Yeah, right, right exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, very real. You know, and it, it strikes me, uh, you know, how the how the scriptures call for us to have that sort of em- empathetic imagination, right? To to recognize, wow, what it would have been like for Mary in that moment to suddenly yeah. just be, boom, okay, girl, it's go time. Get it. That's it. Yeah. Like, Good luck with that. <laughs> like, like nobody's going to hold your hand now. Right. You know, and that you have to, that, that, that's, that's where prayer should lead us to those sort of moments. And like, here's Pope Benedict, right? He's the Pope, right? And he's somehow able to have that like imagination and insight to be able to recognize what it would feel like for this like, you know, girl to suddenly feel alone in the world like that. And honestly, like as a 14, I know probably. Yeah. And as a woman, like it just, you know, a lot of times like the, it it, we get heart. like a bad vibe, like people are like, Oh, the church and you know, patriarchy and all this stuff. Right. And then I read a story about the God of the universe, you know, being born of this 
woman and, and this greatest honor, this greatest place of honor. So just, I mean, her womanhood and just her bravery and her courage and her faith and her trust, all of this, um, just to have her to look to as a model. Um, well, that's, that seems to be exactly the contrast, right? Cause here was Zechariah and he was precisely the one that you were expecting (laughs) to be like the main character. The guy, right? It's the twist. Yeah. No, I think we have a tendency to domesticate Mary too. Oh, porcelain skin, blue rose, like delicate, delicate flower. She was practical. She was strong. She was probably called that angel out in ways that she didn't tell right. the apostles who wrote the scriptures, right? She probably said some things, yeah. right? Like she was probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? And she wrote a donkey being uh, nine months pregnant. Which, Thank you very much. Did he write that in here? Or did I read that somewhere else? Somewhere I think else I read that somewhere. next chapter. Next oh, week, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. next week. That's Don't right. get ahead of yourself. Foreshadowing. But yeah, in labor, riding mm-hmm. a donkey, not comfortable. Right. Probably. I don't know. No. <laughs> probably not. So shall we move to Joseph? Let's talk about Joseph. Yes. Yeah. The mysterious figure of Scripture. That's right. That's right. The just man. The just man. So Zechariah was just too. Mm-hmm. But Benedict said, Benedict draws out this idea of just being just when he talks about Joseph in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, again, maybe, maybe help to kind of set the scene a little bit here. Cause yeah. we say that Joseph receives this message in a dream. And again, the the scriptural witness around this is that we're not talking about like he went and he was taking a nap and then he woke up and was like, oh, you know, I've received a message. Got no, it. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> dreams in, in the scripture that where you have these sort of encounters with God, this is again calling to a place of prayer, a place of meditation, uh, a place where you're just sort of like caught up in prayer and this sort of amazing thing happens. So, you know, he had, we, we hear the, the idea that Joseph, um, he's, he's received, he's got this story from, you know, presumably from Mary about the fact that she's pregnant, right? Right. Cause all of a sudden Joseph and Mary, they're, they're engaged, right? They're going to be married. And, um, then all of a sudden one day Mary leaves in haste. She goes and she goes and spends three months with her cousin, who is presumably somebody very close, you know, like family connection and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden she comes back and she's like, I'm pregnant. Hey. And Why you got to be like that timeline together. Yeah. That. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And Joseph is just like one, two, two three. three. Uh, okay. Oh, he's doing the math. Oh, oh dear. Joseph. Oh dear. Right. And he's, oh, he's so he's boy. trying to like picture this out and trying to be able to say, well, what's going on here? You know, what's happening? And he's come to the conclusion, that's what the scripture tells us, mm. is that he's going to divorce her quietly. He's not going to, he's not going to, you know, let her be put to public shame. But, uh, he, he doesn't know what to do with this, right? Um, it doesn't spell out whether or not Mary has, like, tried to explain the situation sure. to him. Uh, I mean, she doesn't seem like a, uh, uh, a shy violet here that no. she wouldn't be willing to do this. And why would, she, and if she really cared, if she was going to marry this guy, yeah. like, like why wouldn't they be able to have, you know, conversation about this? Uh, so there's the, there's this setting, right? And, and so why is Joseph now in this drawn into this, this um, prayer, this dream where he receives this message? Again, I, I think by context, you could easily be able to say like, he's on his knees and he's there and he's like, God, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. He's, and he, and he's finally sort of like come to this conclusion that like, 
all right, here's here's the best way to be able to deal with this situation. Right. right. Uh, when then no, uh, he he receives a new message mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that comes. It's really interesting that he also Matthew says inwardly considers what uh, what the news is mm-hmm. and then what happens mm-hmm. in the dream, um, which is. Really interesting to me that points out that like, oh, he's doing the right thing. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and we've been talking about this idea of like each one of them seeing the convergence lines happening and the, and the angel's message to Joseph begins with, uh, Joseph, son of David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> son Remember. of David. Right. Hint, which is hint. the, which is the other piece of the context here, right? Like, who is this Joseph? Mm-hmm. Joseph is the heir to the Davidic throne for the past number of generations, this family lineage has had to be kept quiet. Nobody could know about it. You couldn't tell anybody, oh, we're from the line of David, because if you did, then the, you know, the Seleucids or King Herod or Caesar Augustine or whoever would come in and smash and destroy them. So this is, this is some like, you know, uh, 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 Game of Thrones level of like, you know, uh, intrigue that's yeah, like right, happening exactly. on here. You know, it's exactly. like, it's the hidden king, you know, who, who is, you know, for generations been, you know, uh, underneath this. And, and, and Joseph is feeling the weight of all of this and saying, is this how I'm supposed to go forward with the line of David? Right. And so the angel comes and shows up and says, no, son of David, this is what you're going to do. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I had no idea that Joseph was such a central figure in the line of David. I mean, you read it, yeah. but it, you don't consider like you don't consider that oh, like Joseph This is the uncrowned prince. Wow. Yeah, this is the uncrowned prince, the rightful ruler. He's a whole new twist onto the whole sort of uh, Christmas story because he has to go to Bethlehem, right, which is this Davidic, you know, uh, oh. ancestral home. But why does he have to do it? Because this false king is making him go pay taxes. It's oh, it's just funny. amazing, yeah, right? Like funny. Joseph is, you know, Joseph puts up with a lot. Yeah, he does. Because like he's he realizes always- he's kind of a fulfillment of da- I mean of David too, right? Uh-huh. Like David, the almost just king, the almost right, the almost right. Uh, yeah, right. But he's really all put invisible. Yeah. I, I he, he actually we, never, we know have none of his words right only his actions so like mustard my mind seed. is a tiny bit blown right now because I, if I were him I would have been ticked at least for a few minutes that like I'm supposed to step into this and then like Joseph kind of irritates me a little bit really because uh-huh. he's so goody goody <laughs> It's like, oh, he's so, and Benedict talks no about, lines Benedict talks scripture. about his obedience. And it's Ugh. like, I told you earlier when I read this, I was like, you know, we talked about Mary asking questions is good. It's helpful. It's healthy. Joseph's just like, I mean, from what we read, he's just like, sure, Lord. Okay. Like I mean, he seems a little bit. Have you ever met? Violent. Have you ever met people like this? Yes, my like, husband. It drives me insane. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, I was gonna say like like the people that I, I I'm definitely this not in, insulting Saint Joseph. Love Saint Joseph. I, I, I encounter people like this, you know, in the parish where you know um, I've never had like a deep conversation with them and stuff like that. But like anytime there's something going on in the parish, all of a sudden they're there, mm-hmm. right? Like and they're doing they're you know. They speak through their hands. Yes. And what and they they're do. They're so humble. Right? Yeah. And that seems to be like a St. Joseph. You know, this I do it's like, like that. He, he, he speaks with his hands, not with what he's saying, but with yeah. what he does. And also just like his willingness to accept right. on faith. 
the revelation of God. Like, I think that a modern mind sees that as a disadvantage, as a weakness. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't question. You don't have the practicality. You don't right. have the whatever. But maybe that's actually a strength. Maybe a lot of... Well, for him, it is. Yeah, it seems to be. Right. Yeah. Maybe a lot of people can't just say, okay. Or, or maybe, interestingly enough, like, here's three different people, each of them trying to do the will of God. I mean, they all are. Yeah. Right, like, for They sure. all are. Absolutely. Totally. They want to do the will of God. They recognize this. But each of them is responding to it in, like, a really different way. And it uh-huh. speaks to their different personality, their different character. It's really interesting. And it represents all of us. It's deeply personal to each to each of them. So mm-hmm. I think the St. Joseph passage is the one that really made me think the most. There are like several things in scripture that always confuse me and keep me coming back. One of them is the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Always confuse always me. Always same. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. needed a whole One of them is St. Joseph. I, I just, I admire him, but I can't get my mind around it, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing. I keep me coming back. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's because you and I, we have to talk it out to pro like that's the way that we move in the world. And and so when people don't move in the world like that, we're like, Yeah, but how do you move through the world? Yeah, I am hashtag not a mustard seed. <laughs> Let's get that trend. <laughs> well, but you're 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 you know, you're also the person who's like trying to Maybe talk your way through understanding something. Whereas, yeah. you know, the right. Matthew text here is pointing out somebody who is not, he's not doing it through words, but through action. You know, again, he's just, he's, he's, he thinks about it. He makes a decision. Then he takes that to prayer. He receives in prayer. Nope. This is the way that you're supposed to be going. So he's like, okay, great. And then he starts, you know, moving in this other direction. And, and it's just kind of just practical and there. Yeah. You know, I could probably use some Zechariah. And that's, that's the ultimate, yeah. that's the ultimate pointing to God without making it about yourself. Yes. Right. Like, yes, exactly. Which is like one of the things that I struggle with is just like, how do you always point to God and not make it about your own glory? So Joseph, he just said, and he allows God to change his mind too. Mm-hmm. He prayed about it. He came to a decision. Then he prayed about it again and came to another decision. And yeah, that's true. Like he allowed himself to be guided. It's that's, all, you know, and that seems to all... be like each one of these points that direct mm-hmm. points that out, doesn't it? Like Joseph, before he, he makes a decision, then God has to change his mind. Mary, in the midst of that prayer, asks questions to try and understand what's going on there. Zechariah doubts and doesn't know what to do with is, is, is unsure, but God, you know, forces him to go into a silence where he is able to then understand and and fulfill it. Yeah. All these people are very docile to the will of God, which is really hard for us. But in different ways. Yeah. But in different ways. Right. In different and at different times, in different stages of, of the revelation. Of the plan unfolding. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. And very helpful for all of us, I think. Well, I think so. Do you have any other insights on Joseph or do you want to move into the... Uh, what this means for us. Yeah. Well, I think we're actually, yeah, I think so that's, I, that's all I wanted to say about okay, those okay. things. Cause I think, yeah, we have really transitioned sort of into this, like, cause that was a question that all of us were asking before we got started with this was how do you discern God's will? Like here's all these people receiving a message, but I mean, Alyssa, angels showing up. No, in your, unfortunately in your... not in my dreams. No angels <laughs> to help you know exactly what God wants you to do. No. Exactly. So, so I wish it was that clear. I know, right? 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe because not. Maybe as not these stories show, they yeah. got, that doesn't necessarily <laughs> make it easier. That's not like a deal breaker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Like a, they had angels and it was like, well. And, if an angel and then the up. disciples had Jesus himself and we're like, eh. Well, so how do you know that you're following God's will? Like, how I do think, you know? No, I think we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. I think that what these people have shown me and what has been true in my own life is just an inclination towards listening. I think because I'm a person who talks a lot that, um, here in, in my faith life r- recently, I've had to give him space. Like if the space is all full with other things and other thoughts and other priorities, then there is no place for him to help me take the next step because I'm not listening or ready or in that posture. And so these three were all at the very minimum deep. Like you were saying, they were in prayer mm-hmm. and yeah. they had a, they had disposition of faith and they had a prayer life. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's really striking that all of these people were disposed to the word, were disposed to scripture. Um, you know, they were all keenly aware that God's, they, they knew where they stood in God's plan of salvation or in the, in the, uh, Economy, what's it called? The, the economy uh, of salvation. That's yeah, that's what I'm talking. Fancy terms. Ooh, I know. Yeah. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> I can't throw Theologian. off my theological education. But no, they they knew where they stood in the timeline, so to speak, and and all of them responded because they knew the word. Even though, like Zechariah, had to close his mouth for a long time mm-hmm. so he could reflect on it. They all knew, and so for me, that's like well. I need to acquaint myself with the word if I want to know what God wants from me. And that was a big thing that I heard from this too. Like, how do you know that it's God's will? It's, it's God's plan. But yeah, these people could see the parallels mm-hmm. to what had happened with God's chosen people in the scriptures. Right. And we could see the same thing. Like, is, is what's happening is what God is calling me to do. Is there some sort of parallel in the life of, and Abraham or a David or Jesus or St. Peter or, or whoever, right? You know, that these parallels are there to help us get a sense of like, well, this is how God has worked. Mm-hmm. And we could expect that he would continue to, to do that. Um, and then, you know, the final thing that I thought was really, and this was really just as we were talking, it wasn't like sure. during this yeah. conversation yeah. was happening. I was realizing there's not a one size fits all answer. Mm-mm. That's not how this works. You know, if you say, well, how do I know that this is God's will? Well, that's not how this works. There's not going to be like, like one specific thing that, well, that's how you know that it's God's work. It's, it's this very personal call and mm-hmm. relationship with mm-hmm. God that there is no substitute for that, like just personal connection that's going to have to happen yeah right it's right. almost and, like and a conviction. walking alongside you know at all times accompaniment right right I wrote a book about that. and <laughs> and a little bit of i mean and some trust and some doing the actual work i don't think we can just sit around and be like oh you know my my call is just going to come to me and i'm going to be able to do it from my sofa you know mary mary the angel left and yeah. she had to she had to continue on she had to do the thing and she had to trust that god was going to be with her in, in all of those decisions moving forward and all those little and big things that she had to do. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of insight from these stories for mm-hmm. us to 
reflect upon during Advent, especially just on like this idea of personal mission. Pope Francis just, he wrote a letter a couple, maybe almost a year ago now about holiness and how God has put all of us here at this moment in salvation history for a specific reason to do his will in a specific way, uh, that we all have this very personal mission. And so, um, it takes a lot of discernment. It takes a lot of, and we stress about it. Yeah. But but we should. Well, you know, and and not too much. Anyway. Yeah, not too much. Maybe a final kind of just thought on this. Like we can see how God makes a corrective to each of these people while they're as they're moving forward. Yes. You know, uh, small or large, different ones have different, you know, correctives that happen, but no matter what, whether it was Joseph who said, well, I, you know, I'm going to make this decision and then God changes his mind or Zechariah or whoever. Like, if you're open to it, even if you make a mistake, even if you don't know exactly what's going on there, that God can continue to work in that. And that's like, that's a, that's an, that's a question of trust of being able to say, Hey, if I have this sense that God is calling me to do this work, to to accomplish this thing, to strive towards this goal, even if I don't have it exactly right, that if you move forward, that God can co- have a corrective along the way. Yeah. And that's that's comforting. Oh. It is comforting. Yes, that's very really comforting, comforting and encouraging for sure. That's good. That's good. Well, great. Thanks, guys. This was this is really I, I like reading this book, but I like talking about it more. It helps because definitely. It, yeah, you say something, then I think of something, then you. It's mm-hmm. great. It's great. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Being Church podcast today. We hope that you've been inspired and encouraged to go be church in your own life. If you'd enjoyed this episode, we'd be grateful if you'd share it on social media with your friends and family, or you could give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe so you receive all our future Being Church episodes. We love you and we're praying for you. Go be church.